0: that you can use in your own classroom. For more information about Music First, please visit www.musicfirst.com. There you'll be able to find out about all of our platforms, as well as sign up for a free 30-day trial. Tim Brendler is the Director of the Music Theory and Piano Program and Grade 11 Dean at the I.M. Terrell Academy for STEM and Visual Performing Arts in Fort Worth, ISD, Texas. He also serves as the small school area vocal chair for the state of Texas. Additionally, Mr. Brendler is a curriculum writer for the Metropolitan Opera. An avid advocate for bringing opera education to the ends of the earth, Mr. Brendler has played an integral part in the Met's global summer camp program, which has reached countless young people and families across the globe. Mr. Brendler was named the 2020 Bayard H. Friedman Chair for Teaching Excellence in Performing Arts. Recognized for exemplary teaching in the performing arts. He earned a master's in educational leadership and policy studies from the University of Texas at Arlington Master's in choral conducting from Baylor University Masters in Christian ministry with a concentration in youth family and student ministry from George Truitt Theological Seminary and a bachelor of music in church music from St. Olaf College where he sang with the internationally renowned St. Olaf Choir Born and raised in Seaside Park, New Jersey, Mr. Brendler is an avid animal lover and enjoys traveling, hiking, biking, and kayaking in his spare time. Mr. Brendler lives in Flower Mound, Texas with his husband, Michael, and great dame Moira. Well, I am very pleased this week to welcome Tim Brendler uh, from the IM Terrell Academy for STEM and Visual and Performing Arts in Fort Worth, Texas. So Tim, welcome to the podcast. I appreciate you being here. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So, um before, you know, I I obviously I've read your uh bio in the intro, but I'd love for you to give the listeners an idea of your career path. Everything from like how you got interested in being a music teacher, your undergrad, grad work. Um you have a really interesting uh path. Um so I'd love for you to go over that and 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 get us uh up to where you are today in like 5-10 minutes the the Tim Brendler story. Go for it.
1: Sure thing. Um, ever since I was a kid, music has always been a part of my life. Um, I was immersed in music through my participation in church. Uh, my family was a part of growing up in New Jersey. Uh, in oh, high where, school. where in Jersey? Ah, uh, in Seaside Park, New Jersey, and our church was in Tom's River. So right oh, very from-
0: cool. All right. Yeah. So you're uh, you're a, a down the shore guy.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. My, my my life has taken me all over the states. <laughs> all
0: right. Very cool. All right. Sorry to interrupt him.
1: You're good. In high school, uh, I went from marching band practice to sanctuary choir rehearsals. Our church's adult choir, and that's where I really got a, a large um, variety of musical training, especially within the church, uh, where my mentor and teacher Kay Healy Wedsworth prepared me really, really well um, for my audition, which I was admitted to Saint Olaf College in Northfield, Minnesota. Oh, cool! Um, so that's that's a big part of my story. Um, sang with the Saint Olaf Choir. Um, studied organ under John Ferguson. Um, sang with Dr. Armstrong. And that was just such a formative time in my life. Um, When I was actually a junior in high school, I had actually gone to their summer music camp, uh, which is a great opportunity um, and got on the plane and had no idea where Minnesota even was. (laughs) 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 So my, have we come a far way, but um, my, my dad is the one that shipped me over there and said, um, you're going to thank me later. And um, I sure sure as heck did. (laughs) That's awesome. That's where I uh, did my bachelor's of music in church music uh, with an organ and choral emphasis, as well as a philosophy minor as part of their great conversation uh, program. And from there, I went directly to Baylor University, uh, where I graduated with a Master's in Music and Choral Conducting with Distinction, as well as a Master of Arts in Christian Ministry Ministry and Youth Student and Family Ministries at Truett Seminary. And so when I was looking uh, for master's programs, I was really interested in a place that I could be able to do both things. So that was uh, actually very helpful because it narrowed down the scope of, of my search significantly. So that's where um, what brought me down to Texas. My first full time gig after that, after university, uh, was a director of music at a large church in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Oh, wow. All the way so, back. <laughs> again, all over the place. <laughs> and it was there uh, during my time that I received a call from a uh, dear friend and mentor of mine, Miss Dinah Minger. Uh, who I met oh at-
0: wow i know that. very cool uh, <laughs> many right. many
1: people do <laughs> she is a uh, a force to be reckoned with and such yep. a huge advocate um in music education uh, past president of tmea uh and we have much to thank her for in all mm. of her work and time and service in that position um so she she called me um i think it was about february and said uh, hey tim I hope you're doing well. I just started a new position here in Fort Worth ISD, and we are here to um, change the landscape of this district um, and make sure that music continues to stay a priority. Uh, And so she began her work as director of vocal and elementary music here in Fort Worth ISD several years ago. Um, And through that conversation, I said, you know what? This has never been on my radar, but you know what? This sounds like a really exciting opportunity to really be um, a part of something really, really special and in building a really unique program. Uh, And so that's what actually brought me out to back to Texas uh, is that connection with Dinah Minger. And um, anyone out there who knows Dinah Minger, when Dinah Minger asks you something, uh, the response is always, yes, (laughs) ma'am.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So how long have you been at I Am Terrell now?
1: Uh, This is my fifth year. Um, I was a part of the crew that uh, initially opened this school five years ago. Um, And so it's been a really, really awesome journey to be a part of this program um, and part of that team when we first uh, created this school.
0: And on on a personal level, are you have you found a a church to uh, be music director at or are you looking for that?
1: Not currently. Um, right. It's something that like I definitely wanted to keep the door opened. And uh, the second that I set foot in the classroom, I said, oh, my goodness, I need some sleep. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. I think a lot of um, when I was in one of the first times I did a conference down south, I was at Auburn University and I met some fantastic people down there. And one of them, she told me that she was a full time music director at a church. And I come from New York, um, you know, all that that isn't a thing where you're a full time music director. It's 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 like a weekend and evening type gig. And her name is Deborah. I'll never forget her. And she drove me to her church uh, outside of uh, Auburn, Alabama. And it's one of the largest structures I've ever seen. And, and I was like, well, aren't you, don't you just work on a Sunday? And she's like, are you joking? I work every single day. I've got an adult choir. I've got a children's choir. I've yep. got, you know, six, seven services a week. So it, I think a lot of people, especially in, you know, I'm I'm a little bit geocentric in my New Yorkerness, um, don't realize that you can have a full-time job as a music director in, in a church. So that that's why I asked. I didn't, certainly didn't mean that you could do two full-time jobs. I'm just wondering if... Uh, There was an intersection yet. Uh, But I I would imagine that all the churches down there around you in the Fort Worth area are similar. It's a full time gig. Yes, for sure. Absolutely. All right. So why don't you tell us a little bit about um, your school? I mean, it's very exciting, in my opinion, to open a school, you know, like it's like getting being the first occupant of a new house. Yeah. Um, but on top of that, it's also extremely exciting to build a program from nothing. I mean, it's a little bit daunting. I'm sure it's certainly a challenge. Why don't you tell us about your your program there, what, what age levels it is and what kind of program you've built and, and how it's been?
1: Absolutely. Um, so I Am Terrell Academy is a really, really unique school. Um, it's a school of choice within the public school system here in Fort Worth ISD, where apprentices have the opportunity for, to pursue a significant emphasis in either stem or visual and performing arts, um, and they also all of our students here uh, This is a nine to 12 campus participate in the humanities curriculum which provides a really, really great cross disciplinary approach to language arts and history. Mm-hmm. And it's something that we have really um, just appreciated so much um, to see the level of critical thinking within our students in that program so our students who apply um, once they get admitted to our school, um, they go through an audition process for visual and performing arts. Um, and so that will be either in dance, um, in music, we have either piano, instrumental music, we have band and orchestra, as well as vocal music, um, theater, theater, tech, um, and visual arts. Wow. And so it's a very, very robust program um, on a small, we're a smaller campus, um, our capacity is 800, and so we're about roughly 650 students right now. Wow. All of our apprentices grow artistically in each of those different uh, disciplines through in-depth, highly accelerated, specialized coursework. Um, And all of our apprentices prepare for either college scholarship auditions, career opportunities in the arts. um, And we do lots of um, collaborative work across disciplines. And that's something that we've been very, very um, mindful of. And, And it's been a big priority since day one is that we want to make sure that our apprentices, our are working collaboratively with one another, Um, in addition to that they learn from a number of professional artists. um, And we have some really incredible partnerships all across um, the metroplex and as well as the country. um, That we're really, really proud of anywhere from the Metropolitan Opera in the Clyburn and Steinway Hall um, to our local symphonies here in Dallas and Fort worth. And several, several others that we could keep going on and on and on about, Um, but it's such a really, really unique program that we really treat this almost like um, a college program so that each of these students are declaring effectively a major. Um, And so hats off to all these kiddos that when they apply in eighth grade are committing to something for four years. That's pretty Um, amazing. Which is it's really, really great and we're, we're so appreciative of just like, especially the, that beginning crew several years ago that had no idea what they were getting themselves into. Um, but we have been so thrilled to see um, our students growth and whether or not they go into music or not, especially in, in my division, we were just so excited that, to see that their, their level of growth, um, not only as a musician, but but as individuals and. Our most recent batch of graduates, we have students at the Boston Conservatory and, and Curtis Institute at Philadelphia, Wow. As well as several, several other um, universities here around the state of Texas. So that's
0: incre- one thing I noticed, um, and I'm sure our listeners did too, is you said the word apprentice and apprentices numerous times. So is that a, is that what you call the students in the school?
1: Yes, and that's a, a really big shift that our um, administrative team, particularly our leadership within Mr. Um, Baldwin Brown, who's our principal here from day one, wanted to make it very, very clear that um, the kids that went here are not simply students, but apprentices. They are actively seeking to cultivate um, their art, especially within visual and performing arts. Um, and so to be able to see the students in that light, I think that's been really, really special. And, you know, they the students have really risen to the occasion um, and thinking about what it means to be an apprentice, uh, right. and to really be devoted to your craft more than just, you know, I'm a student here to learn. I think that, that mind shift has been really significant in our students' growth.
0: That's a, I, I absolutely love the term and I, and, and it sounds like an incredible place to teach. So Tim, I'd like to hear about what your teach. I mean, I, I read it in the, in the, in the intro, but I'd
1: love to hear like, what, what is your gig? What are you doing every day at I am Terrell? Absolutely, um, I wear many, many different hats, um, and so my coursework, especially uh, in addition to overseeing our piano program here. I'm also the director of music theory and so we've had the really, really unique opportunities, since all of our music apprentices are required to take two music courses every year in their scope and sequence. Um, and one of those is always an ensemble and the other one is always music theory uh, mm. and so theory is actually a really, really big um, component of my course load. And so from freshman up their first year, they take uh, music theory one, which is all I devised that curriculum to be very modal based. So that whole first year, we're solely focused on melody and we we barely touch harmony until like the very last six weeks so that we can have a very, very solid foundation with our first years um, so that they have some really, really solid place to, to grow from. That's and great. So we do, Lot of, a lot of work with ear training and oral skills, um, and really making sure that they have that foundation ready for uh, music theory too, which is actually, um, with the luxury of time, what I've devised is actually, I teach the AP curriculum over two years. Um, so since we have a four-year sequence, we have a luxury of time, which I know many of my colleagues out there do not, <laughs> are very right, under- right. We are so appreciative that that we have the flexibility here to do that. And so their sophomore year that actually it's labeled Music Theory 2. But we are actually beginning the AP Music Theory curriculum, really diving into harmony and part writing. Um, And from there, their junior year, they will take AP Music Theory in that course. uh, We start on day one where most folks are come March. Um, And so we round out the curriculum, Uh, we just do a lot of review and then the second semester we just do a lot of advanced analysis tons of ap practice tests. Um, And something that i've been really grateful for is the opportunity to teach beyond that test um, and to go much, much deeper into um, like full score analysis. Um, And that's been a really great opportunity and we round out their sequence uh, with more of like a historical approach, Um, but for some a, a big component of what i've really been wanting to do is to really diversify our curriculum. Um, and so their senior year, they take a seminar class called Ethnomusicology, World Music Perspectives. Wow. Because it got to the point after several years, I said, friends, I feel like all we're doing is <laughs> uh, beating you down with a bunch of dead white men. Yep, 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 yep. And so we've we've had the opportunity to really craft this course their senior year, where after three years of, of really, um, discipline humanities work into getting them to think very much critically. Um, by the time they enter that course in senior year, just the the global perspective that they have within their humanities class and then be able to bring all of that knowledge um, and experience into that particular class is such a really unique way for our students to round out their time. It's, it, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sitting here with my jaw
0: on the floor thinking that you have created um a well-rounded kind of music conservatory approach um which is something a model that I wish you know um music ed programs across the country writ large would do yeah um I think you're you're that's that's a fantastic approach and you're giving kids a a much more broad view of of what music and music theory is um yeah hats off to you Tim Uh, what thank you (laughs) what is your piano load look like how many classes and and are you in a lab Uh, how does that work
1: Yeah, so our piano courses um, are very much treated like an independent study, since all of our students, um, we come from a variety of different backgrounds. So the students that we've applied in the last couple of years have gone on the spectrum anywhere from I just began teaching myself privately last year and just been able to finally figure out to read music, all the way up to um, I have been competing in the Clyburn amateur competition for three years now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All all across, but we... um, use that independent study uh, in a group setting. So uh, we are here in a piano lab, uh, which we are very, very fortunate to to have. And as well as the piano lab also hosts um, about 22 Macs um, in digital audio workstations that enable us to um, offer other courses, such as music and media communications. Um, And I also teach in on-ramps, which is a dual enrollment course partnering with the University of Texas. Um, The course is called Arts and entertainment technologies and that's been really one of my favorite courses to teach here wow so our kids
0: like the high school kids are getting college credit for that
1: yes yeah so oh, our wow. on-ramps really love about the on-ramps program is that it's dual enrollment is a little bit different from dual credit whereas dual credit is very very high stakes and so um, whatever they receive on their transcript for that the grade in that course if it's dual credit that's that's what they get that is what it is right and dual enrollment option which I've just been in introduced to in the last several a couple of years which is really really unique is that at the end of their time they can choose they have a high school grade and then they have a college grade and the two um like my high school grade book and my grading scheme is is different from from university of texas right Um, and so because university of texas very much college oriented um, mindset is that they are only grading their exams and their projects um, and we have several of the grades, right. due to our guide to grade book reporting in, in the district. And so at the end of that course, they can choose whether or not they want to take on that credit from the college. So it's a really, really great student, opportunity for students to experience college before college in yeah. a little bit less of a high stakes environment.
0: Yeah, the funny thing is my both of my daughters um, uh, in their high school, they're uh, sadly not musicians, um, but, uh, both my daughters, um, took a, exactly the same type of class and were taking college level courses during, during their high school and got credits for it, which I have not had to pay now that they're college yeah. that's great. Uh, but I have not heard of that in music. So that's really unique. Very cool. Or, or arts and entertainment. That's yeah. it's just a great, um, so one last thing before we dive into the technology aspect of your program, um, or how you're using technology, I should say, is that, um, I really was uh, intrigued about your relationship with the Metropolitan Opera and 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 the you know creating um, workshops and you know resources for teachers. Uh, fun fact: In 1995, I took I was a, I went to the Metropolitan Opera Teachers Workshop, um, and what the whole thing back then was having your students write their own opera. Um, and so I was. I, I will admit, even though I can, I, I I can tell that you're an opera fan. I am. I was not an opera fan, but I decided that I I needed to explore that, with you know, for my students. I had a K to eight curriculum, and I was like, all right, well, fourth grade, we're going to study opera, and i did an opera with my fourth graders and it was the biggest undertaking of my career (laughs) um they had to write everything i mean the workshop was fantastic we went i think it was two or three times i went into the met and to lincoln center and i sat in a classroom and and really it was wonderful um it's a long time ago as well but almost 30 years and uh But the the kids um, wrote their own opera, they wrote their own libretto, they wrote their own music. And it was all about what if the uh, what if Paul Revere had put up the wrong number of lanterns and America had lost the American Revolutionary War, which is what they were Mm -hmm. studying in history. And what kind of what kind of I I mean, are you doing are, are you doing any of your opera interests with your students or is that just your own personal thing?
1: No, this is uh, something that we're actually really, really proud of um, is that outside of New York City, we're uh, here in Fort Worth, one of the largest grossing um, districts that brings students to the opera. So we have actually a a staggering amount of students that we bring um, hundreds each year um, to the our local cinema. Um, and so, for, oh,
0: you, oh, very you, cool! You do those the simulcast.
1: Lives, yeah. And so, oh, for, it's, it's really awesome. cool to see the reaction of community members, especially. They're like, "Wait, kids are the the opera's sold out? What?" <laughs> like, <laughs> kidding me, right? And they're like, "No, no, like the, There's like you know the whole theater. Like we have two theaters that are packed with with students right now." So it's been really, really cool for our community and something that um, I have never, ever seen in opera before. Um, My partner in crime, Dr. Emily Sines, who spearheads this program uh, here in our district, and I help her out. And when she asked me to be uh, one of her um, key partners through this program, I was like, Emily, like I'm all about this. Um never have ever seen an opera. I have no idea what I'm getting myself into, but I'm really excited because this is gonna open opportunities for my students. And that's that's really, you know, my number one priority is making sure that they, they get exposed to as much as we can expose them to. So that's been really, really unique and when it comes to you know teaching opera to to students, when you talk about these themes of um falling in love and falling out of love right. and loss and betrayal and murder it's yep. you know it's, it's it's an easy sell <laughs> it's an easy
0: sell you're right my kids loved it they thought I mean I was uh, again I, I just like you I did it because I thought I had to as a music teacher I had to yeah. open up every door and uh, my my kids totally loved it And and I guarantee you I've always said this that those kids if you ask them what do you remember about their elementary school experience it'll be, it'll be uh it'll be that opera. Yep. Absolutely. That's super cool. All right, so we'll 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 turn the ship towards uh, the world of technology and I'd love to hear what kinds of things you're doing with your instruction. I mean some of, you know, music theory kind of lends itself really perfectly. Um but some of the other, you know, piano and your media class. I'd love what are you doing with technology and and what if if any tools for music first are you using and how are you using them?
1: Absolutely. Um, I think the role of technology is really integral in preparing our students for college career and military readiness here in the 21st century. We live in this technology-driven age, which is not about to change anytime soon. Mm -hmm. So I think it's so important that we prepare students to succeed in this landscape that is just driven by constant change, evolutions, and advancements in technology. And I think that's, you know, the, the great challenge is that it's constantly evolving and so it's really our job to teach students these skills as fast as the landscape is really changing Um, and these technology skills these days are expected to be integrated in all classes like that's anymore that's a non-negotiable that there are standards requiring the implementation integration of technology skills both at the state and federal levels as well as educator assessment tools across the country that it's really essential that teachers leverage the technology that's available to them to advance student outcomes. And it's something that um, I really believe in a great deal. Um, it's not something that I ever imagined I'd be teaching a music and media class. Um, right. I had right. very, very basic proficiency at best <laughs> in GarageBand. Right. Yep. Um, and I think it's, it's definitely a great challenge, especially the older many of us get, um, but it doesn't make it any less valuable or, or necessary. So here at Terrell, um, it's been really, really great experience um, for our students to um, engage with media in a really unique way, especially with the uh, in the piano lab setting that we have here, I had a student in my first graduating class who came in and was very, very driven. He was a piano major um, and was most interested in music production, and I thought this is so out of my wheelhouse but what can i do to make sure that this student is given the opportunities to really invest in this area that they really want to pursue and so that's where we looked at our course catalog and said what is already available to us instead of going through the whole process of creating a new course which over, you know, in, in hindsight, it, it, what's one more, right, <laughs> Which right. we've been several, um, but we saw on our course catalog in our district, a music and media communications class. And I said, Oh, my goodness, that would be perfect. So that was actually began uh, our second year that the school was open and was only three piano majors. Um, and now the course a couple of years later in our fifth year is overflowing um, at we're over capacity with with I roughly 23 or 24 students enrolled in that class, and it's been really great to see so much interest in this particular field and it's been a great reminder to me that you know, this is where kids interest really is and we really need to meet them and especially with you know the the field of technology and how it's integrated literally into near every aspect of our lives anymore. And so we've done a lot with um, the first semester sort of what I would do with them in addition to just getting them used to working in DAWs, um, such as GarageBand and then some of the the other Pro Tools version of that and iMovie and um, Final Cut Pro and BandLab and Soundtrap. Um, That's a really great experience for them to just be in an environment where they can just create. Yep. And then uh, we do a lot of um, film score study the second semester. Um, And it opens doors between that and our on ramps arts and entertainment technologies class where kids are creating soundscapes to different um, aspects of uh, they choose a a clip from a movie to create a soundscape for so not so if they're not musically inclined it still gives them an opportunity to they can still use loop libraries to create some music but also um, gives them the opportunity to to think about what it is to create just sounds, like a sound environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, and as well as podcasting, I think the the last thing that we do, uh, the last unit we do in that course is called the democratization of technology and really reminding students of something that they don't need to be reminded of because right. they experience it on a daily basis that anyone can be a creator. And so that's been a really unique experience. And, and on the the music theory side of everything, something that has been Extremely beneficial is the partnership that we have here with Music First. And something that we utilize really, really heavily in all of our music theory courses um, from freshman year up. Are the Aurelia in the sight reading factory um, have been the most beneficial? And we have finale and Sibelius. On our district computers, but mm-hmm. it's also really, really helpful for students through their music first login to have access to NoteFlight to be able to have a browser based. Um, music notation software that they can be working on on any device they don't need to download software right um, and that's been really a really game changer for them, but for our our ear training, especially I think this is where we've seen the, the greatest. Um, Sort of fruits of our, our collaboration with Music First, is that with the the sight reading that we do, you know, every single music theory class, the kids know they grab their materials, they sit down. The first thing we're going to do is we're going to sight read some different melodies, and we're going to sight read some different rhythms, in simple meters, and compound meters, and seeing the level of improvement within their all state sight reading process, as well as their AP music theory exams. We've yeah. seen that just skyrocket. We've seen the intonation in our ensembles getting better. And I keep reminding the kiddos, I said, I know these sight reading, especially our instrumentalists who I remind every day, like we are all singers, Right. <laughs> especially <laughs> in music theory. And so that's that's a mind shift for for several of our, our incoming apprentices is I didn't sign up to sing. It's like, well, here, here we do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, and that's been really great to see, especially in our instrumental ensembles is just seeing the sight reading work applying to their their intonation within their ensemble skills and even their solo playing which i i remind them so often i said guys i know you don't like doing these i know it's making you super vulnerable to have to record these for me um but i said you know just imagine like you know we let me show you from like your your first concert to you know after doing all these every year to the end of your year Uh, And I think it's just such a great way to augment that And my my ensemble colleagues have certainly seen great great benefits to that and something that I I remind the students like guys just imagine how much even better, you could be if you even did more than just the assessments. Um, Especially so that sight reading factory in aurelia has been really, really helpful for our students to get guided practice with their ear training be intervals different scales. In um, dictation, that's been very, very helpful to not only be able to assess them quickly um, each week on that, and to be able to have software that enables uh, these different t- graded tiers. Yeah. Um, that's been so helpful for us, um, but then also for them to have practice available access to to software that helps them to practice this at home um so even if they weren't to practice the the sheer amount of assessing that we do that alone we we have seen such a great um just growth in in all of our students um from the time that they start to the end of the year
0: yeah and I think that's extremely uh important for folks to to hear um and that is that uh you know I'm sure you've read research I'm I'm a bit of a research wonk I love reading it and there's very little Um, uh, empirical research written about technology and i think there's just a stigma in the research community of music education against us but that's that's a whole other conversation um but i do i mean when i hear anecdotally so many times about you know huge growth and improvement um through you know for for lack of a better term drill and practice software um and i think that you know as 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 non 21st century as it sounds for kids to just get, you know, exercises and practice them over and over and over, it, it's what drives the growth. It, you know, it's it's like you know the Malcolm Gladwell principle. You have to tr- you have to work at it uh, to be monster sight readers. And what I love about the technologies is that they're incredibly patient. Um, they don't you know they don't like huff when, <laughs> when kids get ten in a wrong ten yeah. in a row wrong um and it is accessible now they can do it on their phones for goodness sake and it's not a huge uh, expense anymore i think I, I i the democratization if you will is is uh, of technology and music ed is why i started music first so it's nice to hear uh in action uh that that, that that's what's happening tim I, that makes me smile um, yeah I'm just interested out of curiosity if the other parts of the music program the band the choir the performance ensembles are they using technology or are they or are they you know other technologies what what are they doing
1: Absolutely. Um, and so a lot of our, um, ense- our instrumental ensembles actually do a lot of recordings. Um, and so be it like through Flipgrid. Um, and that's a big component that they use. And it's a great tool to, to just assess them. And we do a lot of that type of work, especially in small groups that we'll send them off to a sectional And um, as they're going around they say you know by the end of this and it's great, especially if you are, um, if you need substitute plans to have students. um, That, um, especially like ours, you know we have student leadership that we've cultivated, and so if, if we're out we just leave an assignment and say you know it's your by the end of the period, you need to record these excerpts and and they certainly rise to the occasion and um in the choir department in our vocal department they use the sight reading factory a ton right Um, and to be able to manipulate the um the different levels in there and to really craft your own adventure and so that's something that's been really helpful for us is that we're able to create um very specific parameters that mirror the uil sight reading um yep as well as the um the all-state process to be able to go in there and to very clearly say, you know, these are the parameters that I want to set that I know are going to be, you know, adjudicated is is really really helpful and something that our students by the time that they finish doing that, um, there's never a surprise by the time they get there and that's really thanks to the the hard work that our teachers you know do making them helping them get prepared using that technology.
0: Yeah. And to me, sight reading factory is one of those tools that is extremely easy for music teachers to say, oh, now I know why I would use technology. And that is, you know, you're not pulling paper out of a closet and handing it out and wasting the time just yeah. logistically handing that out or even having books of sight reading examples that the kids go through um, through the year. I, I absolutely love um, sight reading factory, putting it up on a board, you know, putting up an ensemble uh um uh, example and just going go at right at the beginning (laughs) throwing them in the deep end and wham and it's not taking time away from the rehearsal it's actually um it's less time if you think about it logistically um and then the other thing that i i i will say this to any music teacher who has students auditioning for any type of honor ensemble anywhere around the world is that most auditions are your scales the repertoire that's been assigned, and then sight reading. And it is the sight reading that is always the wild card in the audition. And it's usually the thing that teachers spend the least time on, or at least I will admit that that's what I spent the least time on when I sent my kids to those auditions, because I was just so petrified that they didn't have their scales down and their repertoire down that I, I kind of left very little time for them to practice sight reading. So, Damn. you know, and, and it's almost an unfair advantage. The kids who are monsters on Sight Reading Factory uh, come in and they will blow <laughs> away the other kids and get a better score. It's it's, it's literally yep. a numeric advantage to your audition to, to be a sight reading factory monster. Yes, 100%. So, um, I would, I mean, we're now, I mean, this, we're now in December. Um, so, uh, the pandemic, which is, you know, still officially on, I don't really like talking about anymore because of, uh, you know, basically PTSD kind of thing. Yeah. But um, how, I mean, you know, when you say I am Terrell was around for five years and basically at least two of those years were, more than challenging and i'm sure for you as well how how what does your program look like now what are the numbers are you guys growing and have you bounced back what what's going on there
1: absolutely um aside from that one initial really really big covid years um that our so our current junior class they were the ones that that were admitted during that time right so they are the smallest class but even smallest class um they're still a, a mighty 115 120 right. um And so our numbers wise, we're still really strong. Um, And something that we have really seen is just such a great amount of resilience through the adversity that our students have faced. And especially here in the music division, we really doubled down on our efforts to prioritize private lessons with all of our students. Since ensemble singing, ensemble playing was just not the safest, being that close quarters with everyone, and especially in remote settings, um and to be able to utilize um the technology at our at our fingertips such as zoom in Google classrooms to be able to say do your best to find a quiet space and so for some of our students that was like they cleared out the closet in their bedroom and that was the most quiet place and and best connection and they were able to hop on for a lesson and so we really doubled down on those efforts to ensure that every single week all of our music students We're getting a solid 30 plus, 45 minutes, some of them even hour lesson every single week. Um, And so when they came back, when we first put it all together, we're like, wow, you you guys can play.
0: (laughs) That's not what I was expecting.
1: They they doubled down their efforts to really, you know, prioritize their growth as an individual and something that we've seen like we need to continue investing in this. And so for our students that... Are you know financially it's not viable to take private lessons every week we've really started looking at what grants can we afford, you know what district resources, can we pull to make sure that we ensure that this type of instruction continues. Because that is something that we've just seen tremendous growth in these individual students that applied back to our ensembles in which we would just reap so many benefits that way, but I would say one of the biggest challenges that that we're facing today you know, still within this pandemic situation is stamina. It has been such a long time since we've been running our programs at full force. Yep. But there's been several times that I've just stopped and I've turned to my colleagues and I said, Did, have we really done all this before the pandemic? <laughs> like, <laughs> I hear you. The energy to do this. And so I think for like several, several people in several institutions, it's been a, a wake up call to say, you know, let's really reprioritize what we're doing and do we need to be doing everything? Um, And I think everyone's always trying to maintain a better balance, Um, but that's something that that we have really struggled with is that we want to get back into the swing of things. And at this point, we really are full force of of everything. Our collaborative efforts have really, are back in full swing and um, that really began last year. Um, So this is really the first full, full year that we're back at it with everything really in full force. But it's just the the energy and, and it's not just you know us teachers, I think it's seen it in the students, too, and something that uh, my husband Michael he teaches at the greenhouse school as a lower school uh, music specialist and he was remarking that it's really a big challenge um, with the self soothing, especially in little mm. kids. Yeah, um, that, that these these social skills where these kids haven't been really integrated too much, you're, yeah. you're really teaching them not only, you know, you're trying to catch them up, you're trying to teach them new content, get them back on track, propel them forward for the next grade, all the while teaching them how to be a human. Yeah. Uh, and we've, we've seen that really with our students, too. It's It's taken some time to be like. All right, like this is what it's like to be back in a whole classroom where you're not all muted and you're trying to get a word in edgewise.
0: (laughs) It's one of the reasons we launched a social emotional learning um, band method um, with Scott Edgar, who's brilliant, and Robert Sheldon uh, called Music Fundamentals just for that, um, because I couldn't agree more. Uh, I have two small nieces, five and six years old, and I can't imagine, you know, my my two children who are who are basically grown at this point. Um, You know, they they were they were with other kids every day for their entire childhood.
1: And yeah, I'm sure those challenges are very real. And is
0: that in the same your husband teaches in the same district?
1: Uh, No, he's uh, at an independent school in Addison, Texas, just Um, about uh,
0: Cool. Um, So I have 2 last questions for you, Tim, um, before we run out of time. The first is the advice one. Um, so what advice would you give to other music teachers uh, who are thinking of incorporating music? To, and it's almost like, wait, how are you not thinking? But, you know, the folks that are, you know, I, what I what I really liked about your story is that, you, you know, you never thought you'd be teaching a media class, especially going to, you know, St. Olaf's College, where, you know, I don't think of that as the music technology capital no. of, of the world. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? So like what advice, how, you know, just like getting your feet wet, getting trained, getting your knowledge, what what advice would you give?
1: Absolutely. Uh, I think number one, I would find the people that are really excellent at it. So during the pandemic, especially, I had absolutely no idea what to do. Um, And that's where we were able to um, get subscriptions with Soundtrap. Um, so that they have browser-based DAWs uh, because none of them were able to download software. They didn't have Macs at that point, um, so they didn't have any software at their fingertips at home. Um, so I was just put in this position of just like, who can I reach out to that has any idea? So at that point, I just reached out to so many different professors um, that, that have built programs around music and media, uh, especially in Colorado and California. Um, and it never hurts to ask questions. So in moments where you're like, I have no idea where to start. I don't even know what to do. I don't know how to utilize this, or, or I do have these resources provided by my district, but it's just all so overwhelming. Um, just ask around, ask your directors, ask your educational leaders on your campus, like who are your technology champions? Cause yep, every yep. single school has them. It's just yep, finding yep. who they are. And even outside of your school, it never hurts to just shoot an email off to people, and I have rarely ever not received a response back, um, especially from a professor um, that's just trying to help students and so I'd say whenever you you need help, you know ask for help. I think that's just such an incredible important incredibly important thing we We remind our students all the time like the three hardest things to say in life are, I love you. I forgive you. And and I need help. And so it's like, well, we need to remind each other of the same.
0: Yep. 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 I love that. That's, that is really, that's very cool. I'm going to write that one down, Tim. Um, Super cool. And so my last question for you is the magic wand question. And that is if you could wave a magic wand and either have music first or music technology in general, do something that it can't do now, what would it be?
1: I think for for me, it's it would be the ability to, for students to track sort of their progression and maybe an algorithm that could spit back suggested music theory or oral skills lessons or t- tutorials um, for very very specific practice on a specific concepts. Because I think some of my students that are really struggling with their their ear training, they're just like, "Ugh, I got like I got I got another forty out of a hundred again." Right. Um, And I said, well, like here, let's let's walk through the resources that are available to you. And so, something that could that could hone in on, like, well, you really need to be listening more of like your minor six, minor seventh, like, to for it to be really, really specific. I think that might be really, really helpful for for our students. But something that I've really, really loved, especially with our Music First partnership with Aurelia, especially is in addition to the ear training. It's also augmenting their written theory, because after they hear something and they respond to it, they're also seeing it. And I think that's really, really important for students to to make that connection. So any additional connections that we could make with that software to to really hone in on their individualized sort of progress. Awesome. So
0: we just uh, without tipping my hand too far, um, you're you're describing an AI algorithm that would basically a, uh analyze student responses and then suggest um ways to um uh you know not i, I, I guess uh focus on what they need help with yeah um, for sure. yeah we're i'll just put it this way we're working on it so uh awesome. I love the, that's a great magic wand it's one of the few <laughs> that i go actually we're we're working on that one well, uh, Tim, it's been really wonderful talking to you. I, I'm very jealous of your program. Uh if I ever leave <laughs> if I ever leave the music technology world, uh corporate world, I I would uh, I would be one of the first people to apply for your gig. It's really <laughs> sounds awesome. Uh so my best to you. Uh please send my regards to Dinah and um and keep doing great things. Thanks so much for joining us.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's been a great pleasure to be here. All right. Take care. Yeah.
0: Thank you for listening to Profiles in Teaching with Technology from Music First. For more information about Music First, please visit www.musicfirst.com. If you would like to stay up to date with other music teachers doing innovative things in their classrooms with technology, please subscribe to our podcast through whatever outlet you listen to podcasts on. Thanks for listening.